Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business show. I am always uh, looking forward to my Thursday visits with my friends over at the Washington Post. We have an ongoing series going on, I think, over a year now, every week, where we have a different reporter on from the Post. Uh, the Post is one of my favorite publications. I don't always agree with it editorially. In fact, uh, my, my, I would say philosophically I'm somewhat right of center. Um, but what I like about it is that, first of all, I need smart perspective that I don't always agree with. Second of all, I like the thoroughness and depth and coverage that really in the United States maybe three publications have. I would say the Times, the Journal, Wall Street Journal, and the Post uh, are really the only ones that, that have that true newspaper of record uh, uh, breadth and depth that I think is so important. And so I'm a huge fan of it and, and so delighted to do this series. And I always get so much perspective. This particular story today, I think, is going to be really interesting. I've got Rachel Lerman on, and she recently did an article on how the marijuana green rush fell apart. Uh, you know, there was so much euphoria. And it wasn't from just smoking pot, uh, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> when all of this began to happen, where where it became uh, allowed and you know and, and no longer prohibited, and they created uh, legitimate ways uh, for it to exist, uh, and yet the euphoria may have gone up in smoke. Again, upon yeah, I'm sorry. that's right. <laughs> so, <laughs> set the stage for it. I love my own humor, even when no one else does. So, set the stage for us. So basically what happened was when marijuana, when recreational marijuana started being legalized in states, which, you know, happened back in 2012 in Washington and Colorado, a bunch of entrepreneurs rushed in, maybe people who had been growing for the medical marijuana industry, uh, people who had been farming other things, et cetera. And there was a certain amount of enthusiasm and momentum. And for a while, things were going fairly well, more and more states are coming online. Uh, farmers were seeing their sales kind of, you know, grow or level out. But then what we've seen in the past year or so is prices have steeply dropped off. And that's making it really hard, especially for the smaller businesses to be able to produce weed and products at a cheap enough rate that they can sell them and stay in business. We're seeing people go out of business. Uh, we've been seeing layoffs. The whole industry is just kind of in turmoil. Yeah. What are the drivers that are bringing the pricing down? There's several things. So part of it is uh, the illegal market is still thriving. So even in states where it's legal, we're seeing black market sales are still strong. People, you know, who maybe have been buying from the same uh, seller for years aren't going to necessarily change just because a legal one opens several miles away from them. And, of course, illegal sellers don't have the same amount of overhead or the fees or tax burden that the legal sellers do. So they're able to sell for less, which then makes it so that the legal sellers have to compete with them. A few other things we saw. We saw sales increase during the pandemic as more people were staying home, therefore, you know, maybe had more time to use cannabis. And that has kind of started to wane a little bit as people go back to work, as society has obviously opened up again. And the other thing is that there's just an oversupply in several states. Economists told us that so many people rushed in and were producing so much weed that now there's a supply glut in many places. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, all of that makes sense. I mean, there was a huge demand there for a while. We had to comfort ourselves somehow. You know, this you, you raised an interesting question for me in, in your, your comments. So, you know, um, what happens if, if you are, you know, caught with illegally made weed? In other words, not taxed, not regulated weed. Are, is there a consequence for the buyer or does it depend on the state? Uh, it depends, although, of course, we saw, you know, some softening uh, on that from the federal level as well when Biden said that he would pardon, um, you know, federal uh, possession counts. And and then mm-hmm. several states have also moved to decriminalize. And so it, it, it depends on where you are. But in many areas, yeah, there wouldn't be as much of a consequence as maybe there would have been, you know, five, ten years ago. Yeah, yeah, def- definitely can see that. I mean, so in a way that incentivizes the uh, the criminal side. In a way it makes it, some people think it, it kind of emboldens them. Like some people say, well, you know, it, this makes it so that people are less afraid to sell weed illegally. Of course, you know, there's the argument to be made. Other people say, like, well, if it is legal and we can show that it's been safe, then why shouldn't why should it be criminal? So there's there's arguments on both sides there. Mm-hmm. What are some of the implications that you're seeing? You know, not all states are legal, and I think a lot of states were looking at the states that were legal to kind of measure what kind of cash cow would be and what kind of positive impact it would have on the economy before they proceeded on it. Is good, is it going to put a rain, uh, you know, put a rain on the parade of states that are looking at that? Well, it's a good question. I mean, states last year, according to one report, made about. 3.6, oh, sorry, not last year because now it's January. In 2021, they made about, you know, more than $3.5 billion from tax revenue from marijuana, like, as a uh, as a group. And so, the, you know, there's a decent amount of money there. And some people we talked to said this is just supply and demand. This is just a market that's relatively new, shaking itself out and settling. But others are concerned because so many small businesses are struggling and they're hoping for some sort of federal action to kind of uh, standardize regulations and, you know, maybe decrease stigma. It's all just really in flux. It's a fairly new legal industry and it's just it's in flux. Got it. And so start putting penalties on illegal sellers make it make it heavy on them to uh, to do uh, to do it legally you know and i guess in the mind of a lot of people you know how's this any different from going to the farmers market to buy my baked goods rather than the go you know grocery store um, you know what i'm saying it, it becomes kind of fuzzy in the way you look at it look at it from a right or wrong perspective Sure. And a lot of farmers would say, you know, we uh, we're we're farmers like we're growing a crop like any other crop but uh, marijuana retailers don't get the same kind of business tax deductions that some other small businesses do and um, oftentimes can't like certify as, you know, organic through the USDA because it is still federally illegal. And so they're saying, well, we're getting all of the tax burden and, you know, having to deal with all of the fees and regulations, but we're not getting the kind of benefits that other small businesses do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so it's been very interesting. The big argument that's been used by the, um, you know, the anti-prohibition crowd, 
forever was that this was going to be uh, somewhat of an economic panacea for, in some ways, uh, for states. And really, when I look at the gist of your article, uh, the essence was it's, it's like the green rust that never was. In fact, I think I'm stealing from you. Uh, in many, in many sense, that that's exactly what it's become. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's, it's some people made money, right? And some people still are making money. And some people, when new states open, are well positioned. Maybe they have funding, or they already have some sort of operation that they can convert, and they're well positioned to take advantage of this. But what we're seeing is that, you know, a lot of people, because it is, because there's so many banking challenges, because there's tax burdens, because there's a lot of people getting into it, because there's larger conglomerates, a lot of people are struggling to make money. And in fact. Uh, many of them are not making money and are not staying afloat right now. Yeah, absolutely. It's fascinating. And, and you know, with so many traditional business items, uh, you know, up in the air and issues up in the air, uh, this probably simply doesn't get that much coverage. Uh, but this is important for people who, who, first of all, have been keeping an eye on this industry, uh, particularly on the governmental level, but, but also for those who are interested in it for, from a consumption perspective. And so, to me, I find it fascinating and, and I really appreciate the depth that you've uh, provided. Rachel Lerman, she is a reporter covering breaking news and technology, but obviously beyond that for the Washington Post. Uh, glad to have you on the program. Why don't you uh, kind of wrap it up with a few takeaways in your final thoughts? I think that one takeaway is that some for some customers, this can actually be good news, at least in the short term. Prices are down. And while we know that prices for pretty much everything else are up due to inflation, you know, buying cannabis right now is actually in many areas cheaper than it used to be. I think small businesses in particular are struggling and trying to find a way to stay afloat, even those that have been in this industry, you know, maybe in medical or in uh, recreational for years and years. And I think that a lot of them are looking toward the federal government to see if there's going to be any sort of a softening approach there. Rachel, thanks so much for being with us. Rachel Lerman, she's with the Washington Post. That is WashingtonPost.com. Uh, I'm going to have a link to her article over at PriceOfBusiness.com. I am Kevin Price. More for you after this.